This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. I'm going to get angry about something very quickly, and then we're going to get to Field Yates and then TJ Watt. Two of the greats, two of the best people operating at a high level this year. Um, and they make the same amount of money, I think, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to fact check that. Um, I asked both of these gentlemen the same question, and Field had a more expansive answer than TJ. Should defensive players be in the mix for the MVP? You will be... TJ was an awesome interview, and you're going to really enjoy it. But he did not really want to expand on whether or not he himself should be in the MVP mix. But I'm looking at the MVP futures. And I got to be honest with you, I'm just getting a little frustrated. Because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point. Uh, a doom loop, if you will. Mahomes, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Purdy. Purdy. Plus 1,100. Brock Purdy is fifth in NFL Most Valuable Player odds. Behind that, McCaffrey, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill should be in the conversation. But I just named a bunch of guys who are not playing particularly well. And Tyreek Hill is behind them. You have to change the conversation. The conversation changes now, and I asked TJ about this, but J.J. Watt said the most valuable player should always be a quarterback because they touch the ball on every play. The way the passing boom works, like the past 12 years, they're always going to be the most efficient player. A good quarterback will always be the most efficient player. But we have to change the conversation. By the way, T.J. Watt, uh, plus 10,000 to win the MVP. Tied, according to these odds I'm looking at, with Kirk Cousins. Just added Matthew Stafford. By the way, he intercepted Matthew Stafford on Sunday. We talked about that a bit in the interview. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, Miles Garrett and TJ Watt should be in the mix. And I'm not saying they should win it. I'm just saying they should be in it a hell of a lot more than some of these quarterbacks. Tyreek Hill, exactly the same. I don't know what was different when Christian McCaffrey got two weeks of buzz for the MVP. And yet Tyreek Hill hasn't gotten serious consideration, even when they scored 70 points without Jalen Waddell. Um, or that, I mean, like the Browns might make the playoffs basically on the strength of Miles Garrett. And everybody, you know, they just played, there was a the game a couple weeks ago where Dalvin Tomlinson's running up and, and eating um, and thriving. But it all flows through Miles Garrett. And I would say the same thing right now about the Steelers as well with TJ Watt. So let's just change the conversation. So I asked, both these guys about it. Both had interesting answers uh, in different directions, but that's it. MVP, let's open it up to non-quarterbacks, especially in a year like this where quarterbacks are playing, relatively speaking, worse than they have in many years. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code BET 
amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050. Or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed. Calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Field Yates is here, ESPN star, my buddy. We've never done content together before, buddy. How does this feel? Well, first of all, I think we owe an apology to the masses because they've lost out by not having us done any sort of content together, at least publicly. We've had many a chat about football uh, in various locales, including, of course, Indianapolis. I think they're probably the place we see each other the most because of the combine. But it's finally time. And we're like, are we teammates now? Are we teammates adjacent? Like, I feel we're like teammates we're adjacent. Of- we're all under one umbrella. Uh, but right. I would say we're still blood rivals. Most importantly, yeah. in the category that I think I know you're going to bring up right now. Well, I, I, thought, I-, I thought I could have better hair today. I got a late start. Um, kid was, it took a while to, for him to eat. And so mm. I, I thought I'd have better hair today and I had less yeah. time, but like, that's on me. That's on me. And I apologize. And I, I talked to the team and I said, I would do better. But like, you know, if you, you wake up at the crack of dawn to do your hair, if, uh, if that's the issue, you know, there shouldn't be obstacles in, in the content business when it comes to hair. I think that's a very important rule for any young aspiring sports yeah. media professionals that are watching this right now in terms of things that matter the most, like integrity, eh, fairness, ethics, ethics no. objectivity, no. you know, I think those things sort of matter. Good hair, essential. Uh, I, I, good hair and a Zoom backdrop. Those are the two Not things you need. Look at yeah. that. What's, the, what's the helmet behind you? I know this is terrible for the podcast audience, but you have a helmet behind so, you. What is it? There's a lacrosse helmet right there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is that your so, lacrosse helmet? Uh, it is not. It is a PLL lacrosse helmet. Whip wow. sticks. Yeah, I've, I've got a few. They call them buckets in lacrosse. i got a few buckets. And then that's my Reese's Senior Bowl uh, helmet as well. So uh, my high school, Boone High School, started a lacrosse team in Orlando when I was there. And yeah. I signed up and then I got kicked off the team because my GPA wasn't high enough. Ooh, I. Yeah. Like literally pulled off the practice field. Really? Yeah. yeah You're such a my... well-spoken, smart man. There was a time in well, your life, not educationally. Yeah. It's a long story. It, it's, it, I, ba- I did not take school seriously, um, but I took lacrosse seriously. And that was, you know, no, I was actually a hockey player and I thought it would translate well. I barely graduated high school, but that's only because I didn't go to class. And it's, you know. Uh, yeah. There's Most a correlation. Most people I know from Orlando are serious hockey and lacrosse players. So that checks out. Well, and football too, but I just wasn't big enough. I played football my freshman and sophomore years, but I wasn't big enough. Even though I was yeah. fat, 
Like that was the worst fate is you're fat, but you're still not big enough. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this? What are you doing, football gods? Yeah, seriously. Well, this, you know, the start of the NBA season is tonight from the time yes. that you and I are recording this. And I feel like your, uh, you know, young Kevin Clark photos tend to resurface in a couple of different like sort of pieces of context. One of them yeah. is like, I feel like young Kevin Clark photo probably is like right there neck and neck with young Nikola Jokic photo. This <laughs> is on the internet. And I feel like because yeah. the Nuggets do in fact play tonight from the time that you and I are having this conversation, maybe the internet is due for a young Kevin Clark. I, I would say this. Um, I've seen those comps, especially yeah. with the photo, and we'll get it up here for the social audience and the YouTube audience, especially in the context of my photos with the McMahon family, Stephanie and yeah. Vince McMahon. Love that one. Um, yeah. I did not see Jokic in me, um, yeah. but then the internet did. I would say uh, – we have had similar uh, journeys to success, both weight mm. loss and just like career-wise. Financially, I would say financially would also be very Most similar. Important. And so, yeah. So, no, no. I will take I will take the comp. I will take the comp. I am also dominant at uh, the digital show game. I'll find uh, I'll find some good photos of Doe and me because there was a long stretch of my career in which like – you know, uh, parents just bought up a size in clothing as opposed to like whatever uh, your age told you was appropriate. To so, buy. yes, I completely agree with you. I would say this. Uh, so there was a photo last week that, that recirculated of me and Barry Melrose and Steve Levy. I'm wearing a hockey jersey, a huge hockey jersey. Yeah. I would just put it this way, by design, as far as my weight goes. By design <laughs> that I had a bunch of Sabres jerseys and I had a Maple Leafs jersey. I had a Wendell Clark Maple Leafs jersey I used to wear around. Tons of Orlando Solar Bears jerseys. I'd say uh, tubbiness was was baked in there mm, to the hockey yeah. jersey purchase. Who is your chubby, chubby doppelganger? Ooh, um, chubby doppelganger. That's a good one. Uh, I feel like... Um, yeah, he's he's so svelte and uh, and in great shape now that uh, it probably wouldn't make sense. But uh, maybe like Teddy Bruschi as a defensive tackle at Arizona. Oh, wow! Version, like which cover Sports Illustrated huge neck roll. As our storm defense, you're really flattering yourself here because I you you gave me like horse boy Nikola Jokic. We'll bring it up here. Is this you? Is this Wesleyan Lacrosse here? Yeah. Ne- uh, yeah. Wiki. Yeah. Yeah, neck. Net neck worth. Space. Net worth today has a has a photo of you as well. Oh, you, oh, what is my net worth? I'm curious. Uh, it says net worth today. Let's click on it here. Um, it says your net worth is career and progression. Net, there's a lot here. This is clearly written by AI. Uh, my favorite thing is there's a heading here that says who is his mysterious girlfriend. Um, I'm married. Your wife, who, yeah. but also like it lists her, and it's like I don't think. Um, so, the, I don't think they I, is net worth. Is this a fraud? They don't literally. They literally don't list. Okay. A net worth. This is what what false advertising. I was trying to decide whether I should go out and like buy a new car right now, based off of my net worth. I'm not a big car well, guy, but it's all it's all incredibly fake. Um, mm. I know okay. that I've talked to people who who's, do, do have net worth listings here, um, and it's all it's all fake. I mean, dude, I am. There's a. Do you have a a, a trade a tops trading card? That is true. That's accurate. Yes. 
You want one? There's no chub, there's no chubby trading card. This is, you didn't get a chubby a chubby Field Yates trading. No, card. they asked me for a more recent photo. What was your when you were <laughs> when you were uh, a chubby kid? What was your go to outfit? What was your fat kid outfit? Um, all right, so I came home one. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't the summer. It was a like it must have been like a fall break or something. And I distinctly remember my mother taking me to Gap, and we went and got a pair a pair of jeans and a waffle shirt, and I was like. Now this is the goods right here. And so I went back and bought like three of the same waffle shirt and I yeah. must have worn it every day. So when you're a fat kid and yeah. you find a fit, like a, a shirt that fits anything, yep. you got to hammer that. Oh, you got to keep repping it. You just got to keep repping it because you don't no, know. It's not it. Yeah. Well, and, it's, uh, it's, we're, we're, I was the Sam Hinkie of chubby kids growing up. Decision making. Asset Easy. collection. Asset yeah. collection. Oh, I had a nice a whole closet full of it. Well, really bright orange fleece. That helped. Orange. Yeah, I, I think that don't they you say that like noticed in that spot? Well, I feel like uh, I think that I think that you know they say black takes off ten pounds. Sure. Right? Um, orange distracts. So that was oh, the thing. Just yeah, razzle were, dazzle with like the McDaniel yeah. offense. Yeah, exactly. Just people going in different directions. Yeah, wow. yeah, you just keep up with us. Yeah, no, I'd say that the hockey jerseys for me were that. It's just like, why is this kid wearing a Fort Wayne Comets jersey? I didn't notice he's 60 pounds uh -huh. overweight. All right, let's talk about football. Um, let's start here. So you do everything. You are a newsbreaker. You just broke a Deion Dawkins thing right before we, we logged on here. Um, you do fantasy stuff. And you, I mean, you're hosting NFL Live over the summer. Like you're, you're a jack of all trades. You have a unique perspective on football. And I'm curious... For someone who obviously pay a lot of attention to skill position guys because of the fantasy thing, but you look at the whole league, like the MVP race to me is more fascinating than it ever has been in the passing boom era. And the reason I say that is like everybody always says, like, oh, well, maybe it should be Mahomes, maybe it should be Hurts. And like these years where there's like four quarterbacks were really up, up top, on, on a cut above. And everybody says, oh, this is the most fascinating race. To me, it's more fascinating when there's not a dominant quarterback or not three dominant quarterbacks. And we get to look at the other positions. I think Miles Garrett should be in the, in the, in the hunt here. And I mm. worry if we don't even consider him, then MVP has become the Heisman trophy and it just goes to the quarterback or the best player on the best team. And that to me, like I saw betting odds the other day and JJ McCarthy from Michigan was number one in the Heisman odds. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? He's not the right. best player in college football. Find, find a new slant. And so for me, I, I like the other day he had some stat where it was like the first guy to have Garrett, not JJ McCarthy. Um, Garrett had multiple fumble, forced fumbles, sacks, and a field goal block. And he was the first player to ever do that since 2000. So I said, why 2000? Did somebody do it in 2000? Somebody from the league got in touch. I, I guess listening to the pod and we're like, no, they didn't have field goal block numbers until 2000. So literally, like, that's the reason they had to qualify that. He's the first player ever to have a game like that, but they just can't go back that far. And right. so to me, it seems like the type of year where a non-quarterback, barring some sort of late run, should be in the conversation, whether that's Garrett or somebody else. There's actually three of them that I think are kind of in the mix right now. And this is a week eight conversation at the start of week eight. There's so much football left to be played. And I think both you and I realize that by week 16, 17, 18, it will just basically be which of Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungabailoa is quarterbacking the team with the best record in the NFL. Maybe the Bengals make a run. Maybe the Bills get back on track. One of those upper echelon quarterbacks will be the front runner. That's just how this award works. 
There has not been an MVP winner that was not a quarterback since 2012 when Adrian Peterson actually beat out Peyton Manning. Yeah, this was Peyton Manning's first year in Denver, by the way. Here uh, at Omaha still, Productions, we're still protesting that, by the way. And we we, are, we have I mean, no endorsement to, whatsoever of Adrian Peterson winning. <laughs> not to rain on the parade of these non-quarterbacks, but like Peyton completely deserved that award. Like the, the Broncos were 13 Great. and three. Uh, Peyton, 37 touchdown passes. He got 19 and a half of the votes. The remaining 30 and a half went to uh, AP, AD. Yep. Um, now that we do rank choice voting, rank choice voting, we have a little bit of like a more compelling sort of vote year in and year out now. Um, but there are three that I think right now are at least like credibly part of the conversation. You mentioned Miles Garrett, teams four and two. It's not because of the offense. It's not because of the quarterback. That much is for sure. Deshaun yep. Watson, yep. one of the great mysteries right now in the NFL in terms of like, just what is he as a player anymore? Uh, but Christian McCaffrey and the, the the shine is a little bit off the 49ers after losing last night. But uh, McCaffrey is just absurd. For an offense that we talk about having so many weapons all the time, George Kittle's great and Debo Samuel's amazing and Brandon Ayuk could be a wide receiver one for a bunch of different teams. Great offensive line, yeah. at least some great offensive linemen. Christian McCaffrey is the one that makes everything tick, right? And he's been just absurdly productive. 24 touchdowns in 21 games. Uh, plus a touchdown pass, so I guess twenty five accounted for in twenty one games, um, and then Tyree Kill, who yep. I, you know, a time in which we are witnessing you know, some, some truly elite wide receivers. I mean, there's a case for Justin Jefferson to be on this, you know, Randy Moss Jr. type track, and you've got guys that are still doing it at an older age, like Mike Evans is like sort mm-hmm. of on the fountain mm-hmm. of youth again, and you've got guys Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, you name it, Jamar Chase. Uh, Tyreek Hill is on a different level right now. I mean, just the way he impacts a game. And what's crazy about Tyreek Hill is that you kind of know it's coming every week. And defenses have found absolutely no way to account for it. Uh, He moves at a different speed than every other player in the NFL, other than like perhaps some of his teammates. So Tyreek Hill, I think, has a legit case to be in the conversation. The big question with him, if we get down to the, if, if the Dolphins are, you know, 12 and four late in the season is... Is he going to take away the votes from Tua and vice versa? Yes. Because oftentimes, uh, when there are two candidates on, an, on there are two MVP candidates on a single team, it really means there are none. Agree, and I think the Tua conversation, especially if he continues to put up big numbers, like I, I it almost feels like organizationally, like a coach has to throw their weight behind a guy. Like it, it just becomes a little bit different. And then if somebody, if another player emerges on that offense, like if Jalen Waddle has a big big run down the stretch then it goes behind Tua. I completely agree with you. And the McCaffrey thing is so funny because Purdy got some buzz, some buzz early on in the season and that's not happening anymore. But like my problem with the Purdy thing is if you're doing an expansion draft and the Niners disband, Brock Purdy's the 13th, 14th Niner drafted. Like we could do I, quickly, like you know, CMC, Fred Warner, Trent Williams. Like I guess maybe Trent's a little bit older, but like you know, Kittle and Nick Bosa. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of keep going most down the defensive, way. most so, of the front seven. Yeah, like yeah. that's it's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, and we're having the conversation ourselves right now, so I guess we're in, in a way guilty of it ourselves. But um, you know, there, it is funny how uh, this award is so much more dramatically influenced by the second half of the season, and yet MVP banter begins like week three. You know, it's like. 
Yeah, but we're no, but but we're pushing an agenda. We're being political and saying it should be a non-quarterback this year. So that needs to start early. Everybody yeah. else starts in week twelve because they're like, oh, we'll just take the best quarterback with fifty touchdown passes. We are being, uh, we are we have an axe to grind uh, for the, for all the non-quarterbacks out there. Yeah, I agree, and I think we should also like if if we are going to at some point concede that the MVP is simply best quarterback in this uh, in the league for that given year on a good team, um, we need to reform something like the offensive player of the year award yeah. has to have a different set of criteria then because I don't, I don't, see, I gotta be honest with you. I don't understand the offensive player of the year award. It's now just going to the best non quarterback. Yeah. It's, it's basically just like, we feel bad for the fact that these guys have zero chance of being an MVP. So let's go ahead and give them a different award. And that's probably what Tyree kill is bound for right now. Um, I don't, I, I don't know where it heads. I completely agree. They need to rebrand offensive player of the year with like skill guy of the year. How hard is that? How about offensive player of the year, non-quarterback? That's too wordy. I just, I solved it already. Skill guy. Skill guy of the year. That works. Yeah. Skill guy. And we name, we can name it after somebody. Who's the best, who's the guy where it's like, all right, this is like the Jerry Rice award. Probably Jerry Rice or Barry Sanders. I feel like the two players that resonate the most at their respective positions do they, uh, both, I know Barry split an MVP. Did Jerry win an MVP? Uh, yes, Jerry did win an MVP. Then we should we should actually name it after somebody who didn't win MVP. I don't know yeah, who that is. Good. We can workshop that. Calvin Johnson. I feel like with Barry, it's like the aesthetics are just so good, right? Because like, um, not that Jerry wasn't. I mean, Jerry was absolutely unbelievable. Um, but with Barry, it's like the running back position lends itself to – it's like point guard in the NBA, right? Like every time I watch White Chalk, like Jason Williams highlights, I'm like, man – this dude would just be – he would be next level um, in, in the social media era, which Barry would be as well because of just how ridiculous he was with his footwork. Now, all the NBA nerds would tell me, like, Jason Williams is actually, like, you know, a negative player and, like, so much of what he did did not contribute to winning and all that. But, I mean, was there anybody who was more fun to watch on a night-in, night-out basis, even if he shot, like, 27% on a given season? I would argue winning is for losers. Like playing winning basketball is something that losers do when they can't do cool stuff like white chocolate Jason Williams. Um, so you're a fantasy fantasy expert adjacent or a fantasy expert. I don't know how you would you would put it. Are you good at fantasy? Um, I, I like to think I am, but um, I, I tell people this all the time is, and I'm not trying to like take myself off the hook when I have bad calls. Is that like really my job? Like I think the fantasy expert label is in some ways a misnomer, like just inherently right because. Um, it's out of my control, right? right? I mean, it's like I have any influence over the games once they begin uh, on Sunday at 1 p.m. Um, what I tell people is, in some ways, my job is to grab all of the relevant bits of information mm-hmm. that are readily available to the masses, plus hopefully some influence of things that I'm privy to in my position that the masses might not be aware of, whether it's talking to a coach or a player about, you know, who could see more run in the given week or who's maybe trending up, who might be more injured than the public realizes, et cetera, et cetera. I take all that information and I try to deliver it to you in like a very small, tiny package that's easy enough for you to digest. And what that package will generally say is like, start or sit this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are smart football followers like yourself aren't going to necessarily have the debate between like, you know, should I start Josh Allen in fantasy this week or should I start, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter in fantasy this right. week? Right. Like, but, uh, you know, I, I use my brother as an example all the time who's a, he's a sports fan. I would not say that he is like a diehard football fan. Right. Uh, we've got two children. Him and his wife both work full time jobs. They're, you know, they got all kinds of stuff they're doing in their life. Right. So he'll text me on Sunday morning and be like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is questionable. 
do I bench him? And I'm like, hold on. No, no, no. Like he's 30 years old. Like he's constantly managing injuries. He's going to play like, don't worry about it. Right. That's sometimes our audience more so than, um, you know, the person that's hardcore and can name like the Bengals third string linebacker and is trying to decide like, man, I am just going through it right now. Like, do I start uh, Josh Palmer or Cortland Sutton this week? Which I don't know, like you're kind of flipping a coin when you're having that debate. As someone who asks coaches and GMs and coordinators, very strange questions. So I, I, I know it. Lord knows I know it. Like mm. when you're asking a coach or coordinator a question for fantasy, are they ever like, come on, dude. I think as my uh, my role has kind of expanded at ESPN and like I've been doing this for long enough, people kind of get it. And I think uh, coaches and and just people in general around the NFL, coaches, scouts, executives, um, actually have come to enjoy fantasy football a little bit more. Really? Because <laughs> yeah, I, I that's interesting to me because I think that they get like Stefan Diggs had the tweet. We'll put it up where you basically like, I feel so bad when I screw up y'all's parlays or yeah. fantasy yesterday. That to me seems like a minority. That's the reason I asked the question. Like obviously you have great respect in the league and everybody respects you. But then it's like if you're like, hey, man, um, like what what's going to be the, the Dalton Kincaid usage this week? Right. I could see right. a coach right. being like, are you asking this for fantasy, bro? Yeah. Well, I, I actually have found that like people have been a little bit more uh, willing to play the game uh, as it pertains to injuries. Like, hey, I think, you know, because they know that it's not like I'm not going to break some news when it's like and and if I have news, I'd like to break it. But, yes, uh, of course. It's, hey, you know what? I see this guy is questionable. Like you get in the sense he's going to give it a go on Sunday. And usually it's more like, hey, you know, like think you're good there. You know, yeah, I might, might change directions there. Um but I think that there's a little bit of here's here's what I would say maybe is like the uh, the reason why there is more interest. And this is probably oversimplifying it. But um, people in the NFL with kids who play fantasy football understand the allure. Right. And, uh, you know, as I'm getting a little bit older, people that I have uh, grown up with in the NFL are also getting a little bit older and have some have children that are uh, soon to be capable of, if not already capable of playing fantasy football on their own. And so. You know, they're sitting there in August when, you know, training camp is coming down to uh, to a close. They're like, man, I'm sitting here right now and I just can't decide between Stephon Diggs yeah. and Cooper Cup in the first round. What do you think? And so I found that um, maybe it's just the, the growing popularity of fantasy football in general, which is great for our business. Uh, that's leading to more and more people being exposed to it and understanding that. Like I'm kind of the harmless question asker because it's like right. my question is not – I'm not trying to like give your opponent a competitive advantage. I'm trying to like beat the projection set by Mike Clay. You're trying, you're trying to give like some guy in his J.P. Morgan Chase fantasy league a competitive yeah. advantage in his league. That's the right. competitive advantage is coming. Correct. Yes. Which actually another good example like finance guys, like people that just yes. don't like they're, they're too locked in on, on life and, and work to have, they need field. Yeah. They don't, they don't like, they're not sitting around like, you know, again, looking at injury reports or, or finding out that like, wow, like Seattle's DVOA is like actually fourth best in the NFL right now. Like I didn't realize they were that stout defensively. I thought they were, you know, like th those kind of thoughts don't register with most people's brains. The reason I ask about the coaches is because I have gotten, maybe you're just significantly more likable than me, um, but that, that can't be it. Um, but like, I remember, so when I used to write these features, I would ask the, have, on purpose, ask the dumbest questions and just be like, I'm so sorry, I have to ask these questions. And then one day in Latrobe, Todd Haley, who I think you know, um, yeah. 
what I walked onto the field of Latrobe and he just looks at me and I hadn't seen him in a year. And he goes, I don't know what you're going to ask, but I know it's going to be weird. And I was just like, I can't believe I had this brand. That is so good right there. I can't um, believe I had this brand. I, you know, weird is one way of describing it, but I would say honestly, like, <laughs> you get to like the, you get to the interesting stuff. I used my brother actually. And it's funny. I had not thought of this. I'm surprised I didn't, I didn't think of this the moment I brought my brother up in this podcast, but Again, he's not a diehard football fan, but I'll never forget the time that he emailed me a Wall Street Journal article about oh. the Packers' offensive line playing Settlers of Catan. Right? Was that that was like probably that was like twenty? David Bakhtiari's like David dominant. Bakhtiari. and then yeah. David Bakhtiari. I saw him in training camp the next year, and he th- came over to thank me because he got so much Catan swag from that. Yeah. Oh, is that so, right? Much like yeah, you can't, you can't put $21 million for your contract. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Well, all, no, they all are like that. I remember a very, I don't think I've ever told the story publicly. So I remember I'm in uh Green Bay 2016, 2017, and uh, and someone made a joke in the Aaron Rodgers scrum about how Domovsky gets free Disney tickets because what's <sighs> ESPN and there's, they start the questions, and then Roger's like, hey, hold on. You get free Disney tickets? And everybody's like, thought he was joking, but he was like genuinely yeah. intrigued. And I'm sitting there in the back being like, this dude makes $40 million, and he could yeah. not be more into the idea of free Disney tickets. And so it's like, these guys, they're, and I remember, and this is separate, but like, I remember if you walk around the Senior Bowl, you'll see guys who have just been fired wearing their team's gear. <laughs> And you'll yeah. be like, what? You just got fired. And I remember saying that to somebody one time and they were like, the only loyalty in football is to free merch. That's amazing. That's it. That's yeah. all it yeah. is. Well, there are That's two things that are true is that no matter how much money you make, you love free stuff. But the more money you make, oftentimes, the more free stuff you get. It's right? really incredible. It's people really, just, all the people want to like pick up your tabs and stuff. When do, we, when do we get there? I don't know. But like, you know, a guy hits... Some baseball player who, you know, like Trey Turner will never buy a beer in Philadelphia again. He also signed a $300 million contract this past offseason. Like Trey Turner could buy everybody's beer for the rest of eternity and still have like $200 million left in the bank. So uh, not that these guys don't deserve it. I just – I will flip that. I I, I once heard a story about Joe Flacco that Flacco tips like a maniac, like nobody's business. And somebody said, like, hey, Joe, like not in a weird way, like, Joe, why do you do why do you do this? Why do you leave like a huge tip at a pizza joint? And he was like, listen, quarterback of the Ravens, kind of known locally, anybody I'm interacting with, it's their only interaction with me. Yeah. And so you really only have one chance to be like, this was an amazing interaction with Joe Flacco. And maybe I'm exaggerating the story. Maybe it was like a game of telephone, but this was the way it was explained to this guy who was talking to him. And he's basically just like, if I overtip. Like that person, that 20 people in that restaurant are like Joe Flacco's the most amazing human being in the, on the planet. And like everybody gets treated right. Everybody wins. And imagine how far that story has gone, like from from you amplifying it and others who have heard you say it and have since repeated it. Like Joe Flacco, Flacco doesn't have to tip anymore. He doesn't have to tip anymore because I just told that story. He, he probably didn't even tip back then. He just told people yeah. he did. Yeah. Apparently tipping is like now, I feel like every once in a while when I dip my toe in non-football uh, literature. Um, it's, it's people are very, it's apparently a very divisive debate whether you should be uh, tipping or not. I don't know what the world what? has come to. 
think it's that big of a deal. Like the beginning of Reservoir Dogs? Why? Why? Why are we? Why? What, what's why? the argument against it? No, I don't know. I, I mean, I, um, I'm sure there's a different forum for us to to vet this conversation out a little bit further. But uh, we just can have, tip. we can we can crowdsource what the argument against it is. I'm just going to tack on twenty percent and move on with my day. Like yeah, whatever it is, I feel like it's baked into when you're sitting down in a restaurant. Thousand percent. The only the only thing I would see against it is like the you get a coffee and it's like, do you want to leave a five dollar tip? And it's like, yeah, I, that's that's different. Mm, mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess when you go somewhere and someone like kind of a coffee and they just go and they like pull a lever for seven seconds yeah. and it's like, do I? Owe okay. You okay, buddy. I not not twenty five percent. Why is twenty five percent the first option here? Come on, yeah. come on, pal. Shut it down. Um, Patriots. Best guess on how this plays out. Let's let's assume. So listen, they beat Buffalo on Sunday, and so the worst case scenarios for that franchise have been at 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 worst delayed, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be three and fourteen. I don't think it's going to be two and fifteen. That kind of thing. Yep, I don't think Bill Belichick is going to get fired this year. And we saw that with the extension news, but like, we've never had this field. Like even like Shula had it, it was a little bit different and it wasn't the modern era. And frankly, I know that he had the wins record, but like Belichick's a better coach than Don Shula. Um, <laughs> now I think that they have similar standings within their organization relative to when Shula had to retire. But also the other thing was like they Shula had Marino and they needed to get that show on the road. And they had to they had to bring in Jimmy Johnson and try to win a Super Bowl for Dan Marino. Um and so it's it's a little bit different. We've never had something like this where it's just we're in completely uncharted waters with the best coach of all time um just not delivering on what the owner wants. Yeah, so I, th- I think you're right. Like uh, we need to table any in-season talk of a, of a coaching change, um, and and I think even after the season, it sounds like with the recent extension news, right. like that might be uh, less likely than some may have uh, may have imagined. I don't know, two three weeks ago. Right. Um, a lot of football left to be played. Obvious caveat there. Um, I think if the Patriots fall short of making the playoffs this year, which you know the odds are dramatically stacked against them at two and five right now with the trip to Miami uh, this upcoming week. Even though I thought I actually thought that was like a that wasn't like a fluky win on Sunday. Like it wasn't like four turnovers by the right. bill, the one, one turnover edge, right? Like that was like a pretty well earned win by the Patriots. I think taught me a little bit about that team in a positive way. Um, I think what they maybe need to, I think what they have to assess this upcoming off season is whether uh, in a league and especially a conference in which is so star heavy at the top, whether their desire to pursue blue chip players needs to dramatically increase. Uh, right. Some of right. Patriots' greatest successes have been finding diamonds in the rough or turning, you know, fourth through seventh round players, not necessarily into Hall of Famers, but like completely serviceable, above average pros. Mm-hmm. And when you have this large middle class on your roster, uh, like you know, your uh, the margins tend to be a little bit stronger, and you just consistently grind out wins. But right now, the Patriots' uh, roster is much, much. I mean, especially with both Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon out. Like uh, Bill Barnwell wrote a great piece recently about like every player in the NFL that could conceivably fetch a first round pick, mm. um, and the Patriots, I believe, had just one, and that was Gonzalez. And it's like it's just sort of emblematic of relatively low count of blue chip players in general right now. They need to think long and hard this offseason about it's not like just sort of B 
being frisky in the AFC East and like mm-hmm. hanging around, it's how to get back on top. And if you want to overtake a division that has two excellent young quarterbacks in Tua and Josh Allen, and then a veteran quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who by all accounts will be back next year with the Jets team that has excellent defensive personnel and some good pieces on offense, like it's going to require some bigger swings. That to me, and, and we'll see what happens uh, in terms of like decision makers at the very top of this organization. But assuming Bill Belichick is back, I think that's one thing that if they're examining their roster, like with a lot of like honesty is uh, they got to take much like bigger swings this upcoming offseason and they have the resources to do so. Um, the Patriots are different than some other teams that are sort of near the bottom in terms of records right now. And they don't have a bunch of onerous contracts that are going to prevent them from being aggressive in free agency. They've got all the cap space they could possibly need, and they are clean in terms of draft capital. So um, if the team wants to go big this offseason, like Miami and other teams have in, in, in Jacksonville and Buffalo even a few years back with the Stephon Dix trade, they have the chance to do so. Field Yates, you've been an incredible guest. Uh, I really feel like we've we've cracked the code on how to dress as a fat kid. Yep, that's this is if nothing else, the people have learned very important things on this podcast. All right, TJ Watt is here, one of the best players in football. Ryan Clark the other day said he's in the discussion for best player in the world and will be one of the best Steelers of all time. He's here with Snickers. What's going on, TJ Watt? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Uh, so a lot to talk about. Um, you're playing as well as any player in football right now. Um, and I want to start here. Uh, I know this is like a tough question to ask, especially since you would be in the mix. But your brother said something a couple of, of weeks ago I found interesting. He said basically that a quarterback should always win MVP and that a guy who touches the ball is always going to be the most valuable player in football. And in a year, TJ, where defenses have caught up to offenses, maybe more than they have in the past. Scoring is down, touchdowns are down, yards per catch are way down, um, unders are hitting at 60%, red zone efficiency is at uh, basically decades-long lows. Um, do you think it's time that we open up the MVP award to the defensive side of the ball? I don't know. That's not for me to answer. <laughs> and that's uh, all those crazy quick numbers and stats he just threw at me are wild. And uh, it's just one of those things that it's, I have, I don't have enough time to really comprehend or understand uh, all those statistics and have an opinion on it all. Like I have so much going on in the building and uh, all those awards are come after the season. And that's kind of when I worry about uh, all of that. I, I want to get into your dominance this year my words not yours um but you're playing as well as anybody uh i i talked about the the praise from from ryan clark um ben roethlisberger i just saw a clippers basically like you just can't put one guy on him right now it's unbelievable um and your move um it's basically a, a rip move um you can beat anybody with it is as good a move as anybody has in football and you don't need to do 100 different things and i know your ability to go low is a marvel, frankly. Um, you're, I, and I've seen you talk about that. I've seen you sort of, um, uh, sort of display that before with, with, in sort of tape studies and stuff like that. But I'm curious, how did you learn that move, TJ, and why did you get so good at it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's honestly a variation of JJ. It's kind of two hand pull swipe, yeah. and uh, there's so many guys that, I mean, there's only so many ways to rush the quarterback. I mean, you got the bull rush, you have a cross chop, you have a swim move. Uh, spin, stuff like that. And uh, 
I just realized that I wasn't going to be able to do a true bull swipe like JJ because I'm not obviously that big and strong. So I have to find a way that to cater the move to myself. So uh, just trying to work all off season, all my career on like ankle, knee and hip mobility so I can have that low bend uh, to be able to hopefully get underneath of the bigger tackles uh, and turn the corner quicker. And uh, it's been a good move for me and hopefully continues to be. How does that happen? So like, how do you, you're obviously you're are you working on it with JJ when you're when you're growing up with your brothers in the in the backyard in a high school game like how do you how does it a move like that get developed uh no I mean I didn't start playing defense really until college so right. it's just a lot of that stuff is all was all natural in the beginning uh, and then once uh, I was able to actually train specifically for it it's uh, more boring stuff like a lot of banded mobility work and it's not actual football specific work. Um, until it comes around to football season, then you're just working on du- uh, ducking underneath dummies and working one-on-one with a coach. But Jada and I have only worked on pass rush one-on-one probably two or three times. It's not like we were sitting at home every offseason, right. just me and him in the backyard. What are the competitive sports between the Watt brothers? Uh, golf is the biggest one. I think it's just because it's uh, easiest on the body, and uh, none of us are really good, so we can just talk a lot of, a lot of crap to each other. <laughs> at the end of the day, we're not we're not very good. You just described golf, brother. Everybody's bad yeah, and they exactly. always talk trash about it all the time. Um, it's, exactly. It's, it's something else. Um, so I mentioned, so first of all, uh, Mike Birch put this, this this stat out over the weekend that uh, only four players have put out, have gotten 85 sacks, 25 forced fumbles, seven receptions in their career. Um, Peppers, Suggs, Jason Taylor, and you. And you're only 29 years old. You're the first person to do it in 100 games. Ryan Clark said you're on track to be one of the best dealers ever, if not the best. When you think about the legacy of Pittsburgh, and it was funny because I was at camp and Aaron Smith was there and they talked about how he's the professional father of Cam Hayward and all those guys have to pass it on. <laughs> yeah. When you get into Pittsburgh, there's an expectation that you have to be great. And they, you know, you're in there and you have to be part of a legacy and you really can't let anybody down. I'm curious when you get there, how you learn that. And obviously there's expectations and you, you watch on TV and you see the pass rushers who come or you see the defensive line or you see the safeties or whoever, but like when you get there, when do you learn, okay, this place is different. I mean, right. When you walk through the doors and you see six Lombardi trophies, I mean, that's kind of the first indication. And then um, I just remember going to practice and I mean, you have, Guys like Cam Hayward, Ryan Chazier, uh, James Harrison, uh, Mike Mitchell, William Gay. I mean, just on the defensive side of the ball alone, um, all those guys cared so much about each and every single day. It wasn't even about Sunday. It was about the days leading up uh, in preparation. How were we going to be successful come Sunday? And you realize that guys truly love the process, and that's what creates successful people. And uh, I just fell right in line. I fell in love with the process as well, and – we look out for each other. We don't do all the hazing. We don't uh, not. We don't keep secrets from our young guys. We everybody's comfortable in their role. If I'm not trying to help out a young Nick Herbig or young Keanu Bent when he comes in the building or Joey Porter, uh, I'm only hindering my team. So I'm trying to give them as much information as possible so that they can get on board as quick as possible and help us win football games. Can you pinpoint? You mentioned obviously having to pay it forward with the younger guys, but the older guys. Can you mention a a time or a player? where you were something was was shown to you uh unlocked for you by an older player whether that's a move whether that's a technique or just a way you should prepare yeah i mean uh james harrison was huge for me my my rookie year and uh just the guy who was really dominant in the six technique and in the run game and uh something as a smaller uh skinnier guy coming into the league 
Uh, I definitely wasn't all wasn't too keen to getting in a six technique or uh, in the run game as much as I was eager to get into the pass game. So mm. I remember him pulling me aside and just teaching me a couple of things about footwork and what to have my eyes on and uh, lessons like that stick with you forever, especially when they're coming from a legendary player like James. And uh, I always appreciated his willingness to help me develop. Well, what was the what was the key he taught you that you can now see on Sundays with TJ Watt? <laughs> I still don't play a lot of six technique, but when I do, I always <laughs> think about just keeping my keeping my weight on my instep so I can step evenly both ways, uh, keeping my eyes on on his jerseys and all that stuff. Interesting. Um, all right, take me through the interception on Sunday. Um, obviously, pass rushers getting interceptions is is another Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh trademark. We've been seeing it now for about forty years. Uh, but just take me through that play and and how you were used on it and, and what led to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't drop in coverage a whole lot, uh, but when I do, I want to make the most of it, uh, obviously, and was just able to drop in coverage and saw that Stafford was looking away from me, so I tried to start working towards him a little bit. And then obviously, as it gets later in the down, um, feeling like he's going to continue to look back, and I saw uh, the receiver pivot back out towards me, so I just decided to break on it. And if he threw it, he threw it. If he didn't, he didn't. And uh, luckily for me, he was able to throw it, and I uh, was able to pick it off in stride and uh, – make a weak attempt at trying to get in the end zone. <laughs> I think it was pretty good. Do you like being used in a bunch of different ways? I mean, you mentioned you don't drop back in coverage that much, but there, you know, Pittsburgh has an interesting defense in that way. Do you like being used in a lot of different ways or do you like to be in situations where you just get to pin your ear back and go back to go at the quarterback? I mean, as a pass rusher, I would love to pin my ears back and get after the quarterback, but I also understand the schematics of uh, not being a, a target that is easy to hit. And we need to continue to, evolve and do things differently so people can't just pinpoint me rushing every single time so i'm all for it for the greater cause of the team and i mean dropping in coverage isn't isn't that bad especially when you're able to make plays in the football yeah i was gonna say you, you still get some stats there uh when, <laughs> when, when you drop back there um i'm interested you know i i saw a clip of you from a couple of years ago where you're talking about how your rip move when you come up it's almost like the offensive lineman is put in an automatic holding position because they've got the mm -hmm. hand right there. And you've mentioned that you're not the biggest guy in the world. That's part of the reason you have the move that, that you do. Um, and I'm curious how you've learned to use your body to your advantage because of that, because of the flexibility, because maybe tackles just aren't used to your your body type and how you've sort of molded your body into being the, the player you are right now. Yeah, I mean, it's all about just trying to get into – the body of these bigger guys and use them as like almost like a pivot point to be able to right. turn the corner quicker. Um, you don't necessarily just want to run around them and create more space. You more so want to go through them and you get on their edges. And uh, sometimes it does uh, appear to be holding and uh, it depends on the refing situation. And sometimes if you initiate the rip, they're not going to call the hold and a whole bunch of other things, but uh, it's all about finding ways to win. And I don't care. Uh, how it's done. I just want to get it done. So I'm um, always open to learning new moves. That's why it's nice to have a deep outside linebacker room like we have in Herbig, Highsmith, and uh, Golden. And uh, I'm just continuing to learn and hopefully add more moves to my repertoire as I get older. Uh, the other guy who I think is top of mind for most people when they talk about defensive players right now who should be in the MVP discussion. Um, you're one of them. The other is Miles Garrett, frankly. Um, and I know that uh, saying really nice things about the Cleveland Browns is not something people in Pittsburgh love to do, but obviously he's playing a really special level. Um, and I think that you two are the best defensive players in football right now. And I'm curious if you could just give me a scouting report on, on what you've seen from Miles this year and what makes him great. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't have time to watch a lot of NFL sure. football games, so I can only speak for when he plays us and when when Coach Tomlin talks about the defense in our team meetings. Uh, but obviously I've been going against him for a bunch of years, or our team has, and a guy that just seems to be able to do it all. I mean, he has incredible quickness. He has uh, a great long arm and power move, and then also he has a great spin that he's developed lately too. So a guy that just seems to be playing the game better each and every year, and uh, it, it seems like he's uh, – creating a great environment over there for successful defense and their team is playing really well. So uh, hats off to him and hats off to that defense. Last thing before we do two things we always do here. Um, the first thing is I want you to self-scout a little bit. And I know you're playing at such a high level, but everybody, as you said, you're always looking to learn more things. If you need to get better at one thing, if, if you're coaching yourself right now, what is it? What is the one area that you need to self-scout and get, get better at right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to move around a little bit more. Uh, maybe you'll see me on the right side a little bit more. Maybe you'll see me less on the left. Uh, just something uh, to keep an eye on. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I saw Mike Tomlin say the other day that they were teams are trying to take you out on one side, and so you can maybe move around a little bit more as a, as, as a way to not get uh, taken out of the game. On the other hand, like – you know, if they if they want to if they want to sell the farm to to take you out of the game, that's going to open up opportunities for other folks. Even that, even if that might frustrate you a little bit. So, we think we might see on kind of around the field going forward. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I'm trying to do whatever I can to be able to help uh, the team uh, be victorious, and uh, if that means moving around a little bit more, uh, opening things up, then I'm going to try and do it. Love that. Um, all right, before we get to what you're doing with Snickers, we do a thing called Badasses on this show, which is you tell us about the most badass guy you've either played with or played against. And it doesn't matter who it is. Um, I assume it's going to be a Steeler, but it could be also at any level of football you've ever been at. Um, it's just you shouting out. You know, I mean, we just had, we've, you know, Jared Allen was just telling about Willie Rofe dumping him on his neck uh, in practice and and throw, throwing him in practice to show him he wasn't, he wasn't anything. Um, who on, in your football history is the biggest badass you've ever come across? Oh, James Harrison. I mean, easy. I mean, I remember when we were playing in uh, Kansas City in my rookie year. Uh, he didn't play a whole lot of reps, but it was late in the game, and we needed to close out the game. And uh, he was like, Coach, let me get a rep. Let me get a rep. They put him in for run rush. Everybody's like, watch this. He's going to get a sack. And literally, I think it was one or two plays, he had a sack fumble. It was just <laughs> absolutely incredible. Badass. <laughs> Perfect. Tell us what we're doing with Snickers, TJ. Yeah, so I'm partnering with Snickers, and Snickers has come up with the Snickers Luck Shop, which uh, every Sunday, I mean, I'm sure you know a couple people, you might even be one yourself, where you have that lucky item that you always have to have on you, whether it's socks or a, a jersey you haven't washed in forever to bring your team good luck on Sunday. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that make the Snickers rookie mistake of not having that luck charm with them, or that good luck charm doesn't work anymore. So you can go to the snickersluckshop.com and, uh, for $7.77, very uh, inexpensive price, and you can buy a lucky item from your team, um, whether it's a piece of turf from Akershire Stadium or it's a shirt or a hat uh, to be able to bring your team good luck and hopefully make your team victorious on Sunday. So I think it's a cool initiative, a cool event that Snickers is doing uh, with the NFL. Love it. TJ Watt, Snickers, thank you so much for coming. This is football, man. Thank you. Have a good day.